All right, check one, check two. This is it. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. With your host, me, Rob Cantrell. I have a great episode, a cool guest, an awesome guest, very funny. Uh, she is written for BJ Novak's new television show. She does stand up in New York City. She's toured with Gary Goldman. She's heavyweight. She's cool. I'm excited to talk to her. Please give it up for Dina Hashem, everybody. Hi. How's it going, Dina? I'm good. I woke up especially to do this. I want you to know that. You're too cool. You're too cool because uh, we don't know each other that well. So, and I asked you out of the blue, but I've always been a big fan and I thought you were cool and funny. So I appreciate you getting up and taking the time to do it. I thought it was the coolest. And uh, so you're just getting up. I know it's morning. I try to knock this out at like at 11 and be done by 12 because you know, podcasts are a fucking. <laughs> yeah, no, I usually also, I, what I'll do, I'll agree to do someone's podcast and then I'll reschedule it like three times until they stop asking me. But I want you to know I said yes to you immediately because I'm such a fan and I'm, I'm happy to go out of my comfort zone and talk to you. And I almost was like, I should get high. So it's extra weird, but it would just ruin the rest of my day. It's so amazing that you can smoke this early and then not like sleep for eight hours. Yeah, uh, I like doing it for this show. It makes me push forward because I do it uh, solo mission sometimes and that's kind of nerve wracking. So it's just like, I don't know, uh, it, it's kind of a treat that uh, it's I combine work in the weed because I do know it can throw your whole day off. Um, so I appreciate it. Uh, but my new thing is, and I did it this week, I take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, stone cold turkey like oh. raw dog reality no weed at all and then i go hard in the paint uh starting with the podcast through the weekend is my uh, new theory that's cool i like that because so my problem with weed well maybe not problem i've been doing no, we all got adjustments yeah I've been doing research by asking crowds during crowd work if it's normal to need weed to go to sleep every night because I, for the past like few months, I've just been relying on it to fall asleep. And I'm like, I wonder if that's weird or like doing something wrong to me. But everyone's like, no, it's totally cool. Yeah, we all we all require drugs to go to bed at night as well to stop the thoughts, you know, so maybe that's just fine. Oh, yeah. Cannabis. <laughs> great. That's how I've used it. And I have, uh, I mean, I started smoking weed with comedy in uh, 99. And uh, it's just kind of, it. a lot of comics are like alcohol and stuff like that. So yeah, I've done a lot of late night uh, smoke sessions or get through the stress. Stand-up comedy is so brutal and there's such an unknown factor. Yes, weed makes it scary, but it does knock you out so you can get some sleep and you're not doing like Percocets or Vicodin or booze is how I looked at it. You know, drugs are drugs, but cannabis is cannabis. And I think we're just learning about it. And uh, and as it gets legal, it's it, people are going to be a little bit more normal with it. Like, yo, I smoke on Thursday and Friday yeah. night because I'm 48 and that I want to watch a dead show on a fucking YouTube or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we have, you know, 
cannabinoid receptors in our brains. That must mean something, right? It means we're supposed to be doing this. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I love, uh, I, I think cannabis is a part of the gig and the part of the evolution. And as chaos and crazy and dark it is now, I think it's, you know, uh, we just got to go through shit. And this is like the shit we got to go through. We got to process weed being legal and trans people and new shit and millennials and computer and and, and social media. It's all brand new. So uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I think we do. For me personally, I think for me, uh, yeah, it's been a helpful in my life. And I think it's great. And it's been around forever. I was just checking out. I know I really want to talk to you uh, now. You're you're from New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And your materials based on a lot of you being Muslim, right? Yeah, maybe like maybe like a quarter of the material. Yeah, yeah. And is your family from Egypt? So, yeah, my dad's Egyptian, but my mom, it's funny. I don't really know anything about my parents because I hated them so much. <laughs> so I never like asked anything. So I have all these gaps in my knowledge, but I'm pretty sure my dad, my dad is definitely Egyptian. My mom is French and Moroccan, but I don't know what came first. I don't know. I like <laughs> I all those countries. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to ask her, you know, recently because I was like, oh wait, if my mom was born in France, I think that means I can apply for French citizenship. And I was so excited about that. So I had to ask her like, hey, where are you from again? And <laughs> she was like, well, technically I was born in international waters. <laughs> And so she was born closer to Morocco. So I have shitty goddamn Moroccan citizenship. Yeah, no, but Moroccan men, that's got some great. I always wanted to go to Morocco. They have the best hash. Uh, I did I did a whole backstory on cannabis. You're going to trip out on Egypt in the history of cannabis in Egypt in the Middle East, because it's like in Hinduism, it's, you know, cannabis. They eat cannabis for religious purposes. But in Egypt, it was legal for a thousand years. Whoa. And uh, and they and now it's highly illegal. But this is on Wikipedia. But this this is crazy that you bring up that you're part French, because this is what I read and I thought was hilarious. Can you still see me because I'm on Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah. OK, cool, cool, cool. But this was the French period. And this is cannabis during the when the French was in there with Napoleon Bonaparte. The French period in the 18th century, a French ar army officer wrote that due to all the hashish, the mass of Egyptian male population is in a perpetual state of stupor. <laughs> During the Napoleon Bonaparte invasion in Egypt in 1798, alcohol was not available per Egypt being Islamic country. In lieu of alcohol, Bonaparte's troops resorted to trying hashish and they loved it as resulting in uh, copious consumption of hash by the troops. Smoking hash and consuming drinks containing hash is banned. Like, I think it made the the uh, the, the uh, soldiers too peaceful. Like they got, yeah. you know, I, I heard your joke about what was the joke? You just uh, what was the joke about weed and uh, oh, forgiveness. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. what I was checking out, yo. Uh, so uh, so Dina, I did my research. Dina mm -hmm. does uh, prank phone calls. 
with her body and they called up a dispensary and they said, uh, you know, this weed is too good. It's made me forgive all my enemies. And then your cat, your friend was Jewish and he's like, yeah, I just want to forgive Hitler. And they're talking to the, the, the dispensary lady. It is fucking hilarious. Uh, so I do think there's a quality in cannabis that makes you, you know, be fucking nice. I'm sorry that we live in a crazy capitalist world and everybody wants me to be uh, animal fucking money pig. But I like to fucking smoke bong hits on the couch, bro, and pump up some fat beats. That's the way it should be. And that's why they keep it from us. They know this. The they, the big they, they know, you know, and it's surprising. Sorry. No, you're right. No, no. I want to hear your brain go. You're much smarter than me. No, no. No, I mean, I just, I yeah, it's shocking to me that it's becoming, it's almost they cho- they're choosing money over like their ideological design because now it's like, well, we see a way where we can make money if we legalize weed, so we're just going to give it to you at the cost of like possibly loving each other, you know? But I'm curious about, I feel like the next wave is psilocybin. It's like they're talking that, talking about that becoming legal. And again, it's, I think it's because pharmaceutical companies want to cash in on it because there seems to be it. Well, the other way has gone wrong. You know, the non-natural way making, you know, fentanyl and, and Percocets or what was the next thing after Percocets? Oh, Oxycontin. Uh, so that was they kind of went that way. But uh, at the end of the day, Mother Nature, you know, this planet is beautiful. We are beautiful. Creatures are beautiful. Living things and mushrooms. Uh, yeah, I, I watch this crazy things about how mushrooms connects all the forest. Like that's how the forest uh, mm. communicates. Uh, they communicate through the mushroom growth. It's almost like a nervous system. So I think it, like if you look at the human human body, I always somebody pointed out, like, if you look at a leaf, it's just like hands, like we're all this design, this natural design, you know, so we are part of the nature. And I think mushrooms will help us connect mentally better because that's what's been going on. People, you know, from different cultures can't connect and see eye to eye. Yeah, I think it could be the answer to all our problems. We get everyone vibrating on the same mushroom wavelength. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't think, you know, I don't think weed is the answer for everybody. And I do think it's a psychoactive drug and mental health is super serious right now. So I think you gotta be, you gotta be careful with it a little bit, you know? And I definitely think you gotta wait till 21, till your brain, till all those cannabinoids are ready to rock. Uh, because for me, it helps me grow old, like with my knees and my joints and shit like that. And me staying away from alcohol and uh, hard drugs like that's kind of the tool that I've used it as. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get into anything like that until college, pretty much. I might have tried weed like once in senior year and alcohol. Like I grew up Muslim, so I didn't I had to wait to like be free to really try any of those things, which I was resentful of at the time. But now I'm like, that's probably safer and better. Awesome. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to live longer. You didn't need to be drinking fucking Gatorade and smoking <laughs> shitty New Jersey weed out of a tin <laughs> can in high school. I'm glad uh, no pork. No, I dig it, man. Uh, I, I don't know much and I don't want to step on any toes, uh, but I, I don't know 
that much about Muslim, but I always liked that Islam and Muhammad Ali pointed it out that Islam means peace. Mm. And I thought that was I'm a pacifist and I try to be a pacifist and I do believe peace, love and forgiveness is the only way out. Like eventually it's the only way out. I've thought it. I don't know, but it's the only fucking way out. Eventually it might not be our generation, might be like 10 other dark periods and all kinds of shit go down. But eventually it's got to be figured out. But I always thought, you know, the idea of peace is dope. Do you have peace of mind? Oh, do I have peace of mind? Or when uh, do you have peace of mind? I mean, we all don't have we're all it's a balance. But that's I guess that's my stoned out question to you. When do you have peace of mind? I have it. So I, I have I'm living with a dog for the first time in my life again because of Islam. You know, I could not have, which I think is a major flaw in the religion, you know? Yeah. Um, Dogs are dope and help you be happy. I don't have one because I picking up doo doo. I grew up with dogs. I mean, I, I had a bunch of dogs. Oh, my God. No, I think every child should grow up with a dog. I think it should be considered abuse if you do not allow your child to have a dog because it's so it makes every day so much better just to look at the dog and just imagine what a simpler existence would be like. Like it's sort of a like by proxy, I feel peace, just watching him chew a bone and just be out of his mind happy. I'm like, it, it, it really does like make me happy to watch him enjoy such a simple pleasure. Because, yeah. you know, in our business, you know, it just fucks our head all these we have to believe we have to get this thing. And then what's and then once you get that thing, you're like, okay, now I need to get the next thing. It's like the carrot in front of your face all the time. And it's such an unhealthy way to live because you want to ideally feel at peace in the moment and enjoy moments and people and experiences instead of constantly being and like thinking ahead or like thinking behind about like what what did I do wrong in that show or why isn't this happening so when I'm not focused on all of that stuff my peace of mind comes from staring at the dog and also just being with my boyfriend who I love and have a lovely time whenever I'm with him so um watching the couch quilt rubbing butts <laughs> drinking water uh smoking weed talking about some bullshit exactly it's the little it really is all the small things like blink what 82 said way back you know? hell yeah man uh 100 <laughs> what kind of dog is it uh i think technically an anatolian shepherd um i could i could have him run in here if you yeah see. yeah Bring the dog. I love dogs. Uh, I found a dog at a barn after my dad died in Virginia. I lived in this Appalachian town, small little town. And I was I literally found a dog and brought him home. Like I found it was a puppy. It was just a bunch of puppies in a barn and uh, Jackie. And uh, and it was a crazy mutt. It bit like three mailman. But I loved her to death. And uh yeah, it was just like during a sad, weird, dark period and a dog made it so fucking great. You know, it was just like petting them, rubbing their belly, them going oh my on their back. It's so bizarre just having this. It's like a toy come to life that I mean, it, and when I'm high, by the way, I have the most fun with the dog. I don't know if you have like ever had that being high around the dog oh they they get it yeah they love it 
Oh my God. I mean, one time I was with my ex's dog and like the dog and I didn't really got, get along. Like we just didn't, it just, I don't know, something about my scared energy. And then I got super high and I swear to you, the dog came over. We were like communicating. I swear I was talking <laughs> to the dog. Yeah. It just relaxed, brought your blood pressure down. Yeah. You feel it. It's natural. A hundred percent. They're giving dogs like CBD now and shit. Really? Yeah. CBD, uh, um dog treats because uh you know they get nervous being a dog you ever think about that being a dog in new york city oh my god yeah i mean i live in jersey so i feel like he has a slightly better life <laughs> but i feel the anxiety from him too i don't know if he's naturally anxious but he's like biting his paws and then so sometimes i get anxious too just watching him because he like has that energy sometimes but he gets a treat and then he's good i don't know yeah 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 uh so you live in New Jersey? You're in Jersey City? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it over there. I think it's dope. My wife's from Jersey. Um, uh, and But having a dog in Manhattan, that's what I was tripping about. I think it's a little bit lighter over there. But to have all those sounds, because your your ears are so amplified and all those smells, like it, the smells are crazy to us, to a dog. That must, oh, yeah. must make drive them nuts. Or, you know, they just deal with it. They're like a New York dog. I think about that too. Like it must be so much to process. I, I mean, I don't know what a dog's brain is like, but. Uh, but you kind of know because we have a brain, you know, I think we're all connect animals. I think that's the problem with human beings that we think we're too smart. It's too much fucking thinking, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred half the time. I'm like, I start to sound, <laughs> I start to sound like um, Cole from True Detective. I'm like, consciousness was a mistake. Like, I, I really do think that we fucked ourselves up by just getting too advanced, actually. Like, what was so wrong with eating, fucking, and sleeping? Like, yeah. those are the things actually people enjoy the most still. Even with all of this stuff, we love eating, we love having a partner and a family, and we love sleeping, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's the kids. <laughs> Because it's a pain in the ass, but uh, but it's not a pain in the ass. It's a blessing. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird that we've gone down that route with all the thinking and consciousness. But uh, um, yeah, that was heavy. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but I was oh, what was I had I, I had a pop my my mind popped there for a second when you said something and I was thinking about what I was going to say and then I forgot about it. Just now, I can think about what I said. I said consciousness was a mistake. I said true detective. Yes. And yeah, why? It, but what? Oh, yes. That's what I was thinking about uh, was. Yeah, I think about that all the time and going back to nature and living in a tree and building a hut and being one with it. But then it does get kind of a pain in the ass, like ants get in your butt. Uh, <laughs> Stuff goes down. You other oh. thugs come in. Yeah, bring the dog. Forrest, can you get in frame, please? Forrest. Oh, Forrest. Come here. I'll try to just. Yeah, I'll smoke some weed with the dog. Come on, Boris. Come on Forrest. up. Come, come be a star. Can you see him? I guess. Oh, he's a great. Look at that tail wagon. He's just checking Isn't it out. Cute? Isn't he cute? He's trying to lick my shoe right now. That's a like, shiny coat. Yeah, he's so beautiful, isn't he? Yeah, that tone is great. It's like khaki. 
Forrest. He's he's a puppy, so his brain is even less developed. Forrest, do you want to come up here? Forrest. <laughs> he's doing his thing. Maybe he'll come up. <clears throat> come up. We don't. Yeah, you can't pressure dogs. Yeah. Or cats. You just got to chill out, and then they catch your vibe. I got too excited because I want a dog, but I've been debating it and we almost pulled the trigger a couple times, but you know, it just like money and fucking, you know, all of it, the time, everything, it's a, it gets a little bit tricky. But I was thinking about going back to nature and that was a, the thing about religion, like religion's good and bad, but at that time you kind of had to have religion or everybody was murdering and raping each other, you know, during the primal time, cause so-and-so had a bigger fish and his wife had a bit, you know, it's just like everybody. And then they threw all that sin. And I guess they figured out like, yo, we got to figure out how to calm everybody down. Yeah, I mean. Does that I, make any sense or is that too off? No, it does make sense to me. I just, I don't know. I feel like, doesn't it feel like beyond just being given this story and then everyone figuring out this is a better way to live? It does feel like it's something, I mean, I'm not particularly religious. I grew up that way, but I, you know, I grew to resent it, but now I'm kind of like on the fence. Yeah. Um, it does seem like it's something ingrained in our brains, right? Like almost deep, like we're wired to believe in a story like that. You know, I don't know. Humans are obsessed. Well, I you mean. It's generational. Um, it's generational. Yeah. I have Christianity, you know, my, my family's all like Methodist and from Virginia, from the backwoods. So, I had Jesus freaks from the get go, um, but not hardcore Catholic. And it was never pushed on me. So it was always kind of light. And as I get older, you know, I'm just like, OK, I, I believe in, you know, what I believe in and which is, you know, love and peace and all that. Uh, but uh, yeah, but with the religion. Yeah, I think it, that's the conformity when conformity happens because people hate to be told what to do. That's what's going down right now. Like, don't you hate being told what to do? Oh, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, because I grew up in this strict fundamentalist sort of like household and being told to do things I didn't necessarily agree with, like strong have, Egyptian father telling you what to do. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't even around, but my mom was the proxy. So like oh, even wow. just her enforcing the law was like, oh, I have a hair trigger for someone telling me what to do that I don't agree with or I find irrational. I just can't. Yeah. And it kind of lends itself to being a stand up comic because it's like this career is so hard and there's only your way to figure it out. So you have to have a little bit like, dude, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going this way. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was high the other night, how it seems like stand ups and artists in general, like I think we're all a little dissociative, right? Like dissociative personality, because you have to be able to step back from the world in order to see it for what it is. Whereas a lot of people can just be in the moment who aren't artists and just like- and, and just, just straight dumb, which is kind of nice, <laughs> kind of smart. <laughs> I mean, dumb a lot, yes, but not even. It's just like, the, I think the dissociative personality, which is you know typically seen as like a not great thing. I don't know. I just think about- No, no, I think I'm 100% with you on this. And I think it all comes down to conformity as, as, as pop cliche, punk rock that might sound. Uh, I do think everybody's just has their own frequency and you gotta, and life is short. So you gotta pump that shit up and tell everybody to, you know, back off. 
<laughs> I was going to say something crude, but it was a little bit uh, <laughs> early and weird. Yeah, no, and that's what drew me to stand up because I su saw it as this rebellious, like, fringe, like, freak show, which is what I like. But then the more I did, I mean, I started like 11 years ago, but then the more I did it, it seems like it's become more of a mainstream sort of people want the awards and people want to be part of like celebrity Hollywood culture. And I'm like, no, we're supposed to say fuck you to all of that. But now in order to get anywhere, it's like you have to sort of go down that path. <laughs> what is the symbol? That's some money. You got to get to the money. You got to get to the bag. Get to the bag. <laughs> I want to provide for my family. Uh, no, it does. No, I, I started in I, before. I thought it was the most punk rock thing you could do with stand up comedy. I was like to go up there and just talk some shit and get a check that or not a check, but just it, I thought it was just like a, a insane magic trick. Yeah. Yeah, it, as it, it is a magic trick that people just want to see you like say words arranged in a specific manner, and like it, it is magic trick. That's I've always and to get paid for. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, for me with stand up, I was thinking about it. I, you know, I think a lot of us is that way. I just didn't want a real job. <laughs> yeah. I just did not, and and that comes from the nonconformist in me. It was just like, and I tried it, and it was just went down a dark, weird soulless hole that I was just like, dude, I can't, I don't want to go out like this. I want to go out. I want to be something else. If I go out having a regular job, what, what, what was your regular job? I did uh sales. I was a headhunter, and yeah. right out of school, I had to make a hundred cold calls a day. I was living in my mom's house. I graduated with an English degree, uh, creative mi minor, uh, creative major, but yeah. full on. I mean, I failed out with a, you know, a co you know, I got I graduated in four years, but I was a C student. I just had fun and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I always loved comedy. But I was telling you, the 90s, there was no I, I didn't know anybody doing comedy talking about. I'm sorry. Oh, having a soul, not wanting to be a soloist co corporate drone. Oh, yeah. My first my first job. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It was a sales job and I made 50K right out of the bat, which was kind of good. Yeah. And I was decent at it, um, but I. I don't like sports. I'm not like a bro, bro, dude. Um, it was a full on sales, you know, environment. And I remember the day it took me like three years and I saved up 10 grand. I moved back in my mom's house and I just would watch the Gary Shandling show on videotape. And wow. I would smoke one hitters out the thing and I didn't go out. I didn't go out with my friends. I shut everything down. All social circles started collecting money, collecting money, collecting money. I saved up 10 grand and I walked and I just quit. And I was like, I want to do something creative. I just knew I wanted to do something in entertainment, comedy. So this was like 97. And then that was like three years out of college. And then I did uh, six months in Southeast Asia backpacking with a friend. Cool. I lived in, uh, I went to Bali and learned to surf. I went okay. to the Philippines. I just hung out. I smoked hash everywhere. Uh, and then I landed in this was during the dot com boom. So all my friends had jobs in San Francisco making like 50K and shit. So I went there and crashed on a couch and somebody had a room for like five hundred dollars a month. And then I started doing open mics and working at bars and working at outdoor stores. And I started in San Francisco 
and I did three and a half years. And then I got last comic standing. I started opening at the punchline. I was going to shows. I had, I've had a good life. I've had a lot of fun. I'm not a millionaire, uh, but uh, it, my story, I, I got, I, I mean, stand-up comedy was a lot of fun for me. It still is. Do you find it fun? That's a, that's a heavy question. <laughs> These days I'm like, uh, I want, I'm trying to refine the spirit of the fun of it because I just get caught up in like worrying and like, you know, the landscape is so difficult now and where am I going to put out my art? There's nowhere to put it out. No one, it's you got just, great art. I love your style. Even, even you're hilarious. Awesome. Very funny. But yeah, you, you got good style. Thank you. But I mean, yeah, but I don't, my brain, I don't know if this has happened to you through the arc of your stand-up career, but my brain used to just spit out jokes. And the longer I do it, especially now, it's like, it's just not coming. So it's, it takes so much more effort to try to come up with material, maybe because I've just written so much now or because, you know, the way things are, it's like hard to talk about a lot of the things that are happening that... I, I don't I don't know. It's just become a lot harder and so less fun and and also worrying about like money and like putting out a special or something like that. Like all that stuff is like taking the fun out of it. So I'm trying to find a way to make it fun again. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is really difficult right now navigating it. But it all it all comes back to yeah the jokes. And I will say, yeah, I've been doing this 20 years. And I was more of a one-liner goofball comic. And I still am. I still, I, I think you got to use everything. You got to use one-liners. You got to use characters. You got to use riffing. You got to do everything and even do the shit that you're not good at. I think that is maybe one way, Dina, is like maybe, because you do, you kind of do set up joke. Am I right? Like you kind of yeah. do set up punch, yeah. which is what the money. I get it. That gets you the TV. That gets you the Mark Norman boom bip. Rat-a-tat tip, CAA agent, somebody, all that bullshit. But uh, uh, but talking from your heart is uh, it's hard. But you could, you know, I think you, you just maybe have another step to go to mix it up. You know, I know how creative you are. So you know, in the in the uh, and I love the uh, prank. Like, have you? Are you going to put out a prank album? We were just talking about doing that, and my manager was kind of just like. You can, there's no money in it, but go for it. So, so we might do that and just, you know, put it out ourselves and, you know, that, that could be fun. Do you like doing those? Um, so they were so stressful at the beginning when I first started doing them. It was just like was even more anxiety than stand up because it's like you have to, when you're on the phone with somebody, you're both talking to them, but understanding this is for an audience. This is going to watch this. So your brain has to be like on two different layers of, of thinking and uh but now it's it's easier to do and so it's more fun yeah it's hard you said that and i feel the same way and you're you i mean one of the ways that you stand out you have a great edge so mm -hmm. and doing those phone calls in the in this environment right now um is tricky as hell you know you just dancing on top of a knife there in the <laughs> beginning so yeah but i i they have been paid off and I'm a dude that doesn't even like prank. Like I'm too compassionate and weeded out sometimes that I don't like even jackass. And I was like, I don't want somebody fucking with my bubble. You know, my mental, <laughs> you know, I think everybody has a bubble, 
And oh, if, yeah. you, if you come into that bubble and I don't know you and you start fucking with my bubble and I'm having a wrong day and catch me at the wrong time, I could have an aneurysm, bro. <laughs> like, like, I think everybody has a little. So I, I worry about personal space, but I do think there's an art form to it. I think Eric Andre does it really yeah. great that he kind of makes it on him. Yeah. And not the person. And I think that's the same thing with your phone calls. Like, you know, the forgiveness joint is just high level art. And then, you know, all, uh, you have a bunch of funny ones that, you know, they're all super strong and great. Thank you. Yeah, we always wanted the joke to be on us. We want us to be weird and like seeking help and like showing our like problems rather than like making it about making fun. We don't want to make fun of anybody, you know, yeah, so. some rando person, you know, yeah. We see it as more like you know, inviting strangers into our weird brains, you know? And like, when someone's working like a phone job at a restaurant or like at a, you know, dispensary, it's like, I like to think that's a weird, funny moment in their day that's like a story they can tell someone else later. So like, it's like, we're do we're adding spice to their lives. I could see that. I've worked those jobs. And yeah, if somebody, and you two called me and started tripping me out like that, I would definitely be <laughs> laughing. Because, you know, if you're working at a restaurant, you're probably half high and hungover. Yeah. You're just trying to get through this shit. You're listening to Spotify. Uh, <laughs> now, we haven't talked about coffee. We talked about comedy and everything else. But do you drink coffee? I sure do. And it's actually a recent development in my life. I never had coffee up until the age of probably like just like a couple of years ago. And I am just shocked that like my I mean, my, my entire personality up until now was just like not having coffee. Like it makes me happier. And then I told my friend this and she's like, yeah, coffee is an antidepressant. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know that it's supposed to make you live longer, too, but it does. It can get your heart going. Oh, yeah. And I feel it like I can only have one shot of espresso like all day long. And I've been playing with having two and I feel it in my heart. And it's like I don't you like go that. wrong. Yeah. yeah. You could feel it in your heart and in your ass. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a big problem. And then I like trained my body to handle it. And now it's fine. Yeah, you got you got to drink some water. Espressos <laughs> are great. I'm on my second French press. No, my first French press. I'm only one. I used to go a lot harder in the paint, uh, especially with weed. It kind of equals it out for me. And that's kind of like how I started with comedy, going to coffee shops or going to libraries or doing whatever, because you can always bring a cup of coffee with you every yeah. you go. Uh, I have Mexican. These are Alturo beans. They're like the really shiny coffee beans i grind it and do it in my french press did you go out to a coffee shop to get that cup of coffee or do you make it your own or i I, espressos? I spend so much money just buying these lattes every day and i finally like my boyfriend like had an intervention with me he's like we're gonna get work i'm trying i was trying to find an affordable espresso machine just so that i could stop spending money on the coffees but those are expensive too so have you heard of an aeropress I have. I have. Dan okay. Curry that's been on this program, he writes for Eric Andre, swears by it. And he talked about it for a half an hour on this show. And he says he can make the best espressos better than every coffee shop with it. Oh, I would love to talk to him because we just ordered two and we're going to try to experiment with just making espresso at home with it. And if that can be the solution, it would save me so much money. So, yeah, that's what you need to do. And then get good. Get into good beans. Uh, 
blue what's that expensive joint blue blue marble no what is it no Done. blue coffee blue bottle oh they, yeah, yeah yeah get something good get it some uh good beans and get a grinder and then just grind that and get and then rock that as arrows press and yeah you'll have an amazing shot of coffee and with espresso you're so right you only need a you're classy and smart. You only need a little bit of coffee. Like that's a good, like to drink bodega, uh, uh, loose coffee all day can rock your gut, but a little shot of espresso Italian style can, you know, that's eight hours right there and loving it. Exactly. That's how I like to start the day and then just gradually get tired and then do the weed at night. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> Uh, are, what kind of tunes are you listening to? What kind of music do you like, Dina? Oh, um, I like mostly indie rock, punk rock. Um, my boyfriend is like a music encyclopedia and he grew up listening to hardcore and like all the like, you know, uh, punk bands that I wouldn't have known about in high school. And I was just listening to Blink-182 and like, you know, Pennywise. So he introduces me to a bunch of cool stuff. Um, but the Pixies are my all-time fave. Oh, um, great band. Oh, my God. I, they're just everything about them. I, I discovered them in high school. And uh, I just also, I, I watch interviews with them from their peak. And they're just exactly what I want an artist to be, which is, like, clearly no style, no brand. They're, like, awkward. And people are like, how do you create your music? And they're just like, we're just trying Well, they to definitely it. got a style and a brand, but uh, it's less ego. Frank Black is so chill. Like, they are so not cheesy, you know? Well, I mean, of course, they have, like, musically, they have a very specific thing. But, like, when you see them in an interview, they're not, like, trying to be cool. They're just, like, four weirdos, and, like, they're bad at answering questions, which is, I like. I like a mystique, and I like not having, like, a, like, PR, you know, team telling you what to say and do, and it's obvious. I don't know. No, you're 100% right. Like, I put this uh, video on the Patreon so we can stay mysterious, because uh, audio, like, you got to pay to come see us. Uh, on the video because yeah the, it, when you I think with podcasting now and everybody going YouTube live all day every day you get saturated with their life and drama and you see too much about it but the band like the Pixies just put some dope art up there and they had some killer tunes that were so unique like I don't I can't even remember I only know that one and you what is that one that ooh, where is my mind Yes. Yeah. That one. That is the jam. I mean, that's always going to rock the house. And then here comes my man. That's the other one. Right. That's the other cool tune. Those are like their probably biggest hits and gigantic. I would say that's those. all I know. Oh, my God. You you have to every. No, I'm not every, a fool. <laughs> no, every album is just hits. Like every song is like the, I can listen to this all day long. And it's like so, so rare to have bands that you can just listen to every song on an album and they're good. Um, and their style changes like sort of like it's sort of more classic-y, like almost metal-y rock like later. And but early. with an acoustic guitar, that's what's so trippy about those cats. It's his acoustic guitar and weird voice. But then they kind of have a rock under bass, like they got a good drums. And then is it a chick? Do they they have a couple chicks in the band, right? It was one Kim Deal who was the bassist. 
Yeah, chick bassist is the best. I was thinking if I get a, ba- a band, I'm going to get a badass chick bassist. Because uh, those are the Smashing Pumpkins. You know who the, is the funkiest person of all time? The bassist of Talking Heads. Oh, yeah. Oh, have you heard her bass? No. Oh, uh, they, she plays that song. We're in heaven. Oh, yeah. With my boyfriend. Boyfriend. We went out, did cocaine. <laughs> then we went insane. Oh, that's that chick is the baddest of the bad funky. Like uh, in terms of funk. And it's this awkward, weird white girl from the Lower East Side has the funkiest bass. That's awesome. I, I, I like the talking heads. I didn't never got too deep into them. So I have to I have to research that. But I agree. Any 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 girl in a band I, I support and there should be more. What about the Donnas? Did you rock out to the Donnas? No, I don't know that. The all female girl band kind of cheesy uh, 2000. Oh, uh, get off. Okay, now I remember. They were kind of rip off of the Runaways, kind of like how Nirvana and what's that band, uh, the Vines. Okay, yeah, now that that rings a bell. Now I don't think I got into that. I got into the Distillers because I love the front woman with the crazy spiky hair. I really liked her. Yeah, they got some good tunes, and she went off and married the dude from Queens of the Stone Age, right? Oh, really? I didn't know that. I think so. Uh, But yeah, she has a cool punk like I watch a lot of weird punk on uh, on YouTube and I and I'll find stuff like one distiller song or one this and then I just get like obsessed with it and I just rock out to it until I'm sick of it. Yeah, I I get these days. I like I forget that music is an option sometimes and then I remember I could listen to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, music's great. I should listen to this all the time. But I'll find a song I love and just listen to it on repeat all day long, especially like on my way to a stand up show. I'll just repeat something that gets me in the mood. Oh, what's your song before stand up shows to get psyched? (laughs) Um, uh, Do you know um, Non? Mm. No, but I'll write it down. I like getting uh-huh. my mind blown and hearing new sounds. It's a it's like a noise project from this guy Boyd Rice. Do you know Boyd Rice? Boyd Rice, no. It he sounds is. heavy. Yeah, it is. Well, this song is called Total War, and it's such a great tune to go to. Like, you feel like you're on your way to go to battle with the audience, and that's that's the energy I like to be in. Ah, oh, that's ill. I know what you're saying. This is kind of like atmospheric tonal. Uh, right. There's no lyrics. There's no vocals, is it? No, there is vocal. It's kind of him just screaming over like drums. Like it's very minimalist, but it just. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a jam. Do uh, I'll check that one out. Do you do Spotify? Did you have the yearly rap? I oh, you know, I didn't look at my yearly rap just because I know that it's, I know what songs it's going to be because I listen to the same songs over and over, like I said. But um, yeah, I do use it. I guess I could I could look at it. You, uh, you don't have to. I can just uh, I was I went so basic this year and I think it was the pandemic, but I do have like a couple weird like I find songs that I've never even heard before. But the tone I connect to and I start to play it over. But this is how cheesy and basic my shit is right now. Number one is Stick Figure. I don't know if you know Stick Figure. They're like a reggae band from uh, California. They're kind of like Sublime, 
But the okay. dude makes all the music in Humboldt. And he's they do the jam band. Did you ever get into j any jam bands, fish or any of that shit? No, no, no. no. But they, they're kind of like uh, slightly stupid. The number two is Bob Marley and the Wailers. Number three is the Beastie Boys. Number four is Grateful Dead. And number five is Green Day. Classics, you know, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. And I think the pandemic, I was pumping a lot of reggae, like just to slow down and not stress too bad. That's that's a smart move. Obviously, good pairing for weed. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was it? Gonna... Oh yeah, Brain Stew. Green Day was the first song I ever learned on the guitar. So they have they have a place on my heart. You could play that song. Brain Stew. Anybody could play that song. No, I need to learn that joint. I I did cover what I got by Sublime, and it's so bad. But I just put a bunch of distortion on it because it's only two chords. So I did that. I'm terrible at the guitar, but I have one over there. And I practice and I'm going to try to learn brains too. I want one Green Day tune, but I know that song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll get that in an hour. Uh, that is the joint. I love that's a that's a great song. That's almost like an ACDC song that it's so simple. Yeah. And uh, in it and it does tell you about waking up in the middle of the night and just like. Oh, and the demons come and the machines start cranking. Um, but do you wake up and smoke weed? That's that's what uh, do you wake up in the middle of the night and smoke weed to go back to bed? Well, no, that's the beauty of it. If I have an edible or just even one hit of a joint before bed, it just knocks me out all night long. Whereas if I don't do that, I suffer the risk of waking up or even if I just have to pee in the middle of the night, it'll like throw off my sleeping. But the weed just knocks me out all night long. I'm in my 40s, so I get up and pee three times a night, you know, so that's it. Uh, so I'm always light. And then there's this new study that we wake up. Everybody wakes up at 4 a.m. for like 15 minutes. You know, mm -hmm. that moment where you wake up like at four for like 15. You're like, oh, am I asleep? And then you go back to bed. Or sometimes you just wake up and you don't go back to bed. I, I, yeah. What's that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I used to have that. And that's sort of why I needed the weed. And now the weed has cured all that. So. Well, yeah. Uh, once I learned that that was natural, I don't need the weed as much at night. Oh. Um, but I used to do what you were doing. And I would even get up at four when I take a piss and <laughs> hit the bowl and then go back to bed. Uh, and it always would put me back to bed nicely because I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, just high as hell. And then you fall asleep, which is beautiful. Um, but it, it gets you a little bit cloggy. And then sometimes you want to. So now I'm kind of more of a daytime. And then I'm and I'm really and I've been making it through the night knowing that 4 a.m. You just pop up for like 15 minutes and then you just talk yourself down. Um, I just been meditating hardcore uh, the, and then I'll let you go because it's been an hour. It's been over. You've been too cool. We're going to be done, <laughs> but you're fascinating and funny and cool. Uh, and thank you for doing this. Uh, do you do any meditations? I want to every time I remember that also is an option. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should learn. I want to do like the transcendental meditation classes that cost like thousands of dollars. But I know that it's like don't need to do that in order to meditate in a way that will probably improve my life. So do you, you do it a lot? Oh, I've been going hardcore in the paint. 
20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night, like cross leg, the whole thing. I got a pillow, no music, no nothing, complete darkness in my mind and going like 20 minutes. Uh, so what's the process? How do you do it? It's all about concentrating on your breath. You shouldn't look at it as spiritual or open. Like I've been reading all the, there's a great, like uh, Nepal, what is it? Tibetan Buddhism, it's, it's, it's a different time. It's a little bit more real. And they're like, take all of the magic out of it. And you're literally just learning to listen to your body. Like even if it's a fart bubble or a crack in your neck or anything, like you're learning to slow down to the point of learning who you are in your body. So it's like, I try to just concentrate. If my mind, of course your mind starts going. And then you start to see that they're just, uh, what do they call it? Like uh, concepts, thought concepts, which aren't real. They are, uh, they just pour through and you stick to one, you stick to them. But with meditation, you slow down enough to breathe and you kind of see that part of your brain. You're like, oh, that's that shit that's going there. Um, and you learn to let go of that. And then you start concentrating like, okay, what can I think about now? Cause I'm just sitting in the dark, just mm. sitting here. This is some bullshit. And then you just start concentrating on your breath, they say. And even there was like some Buddhist thing that I heard about, like, what is the now? Like it, the minute the bird tweets, like you pick that up and you're like, that's the moment. And so you're learning to separate like, now, like it helps me just uh, be more patient. And mm. and they say it brings up your instincts. That's what I've been helping. It's been helping me is like situations and even on stage, like just it, it's supposed to like make your instincts better in business and, you know, all that shit. Life. Interesting. That's what it's helped with me. Wow. Yeah, I definitely need to do that because I do have trouble being present a lot. And then I still have like anxiety on stage and stuff like that. So that's definitely something I should do. And there's, yeah, uh, yeah and I, I'm not perfect at it. And some days I just want to give it up and maybe I'll give it up down the line. But taking the spirituality and all that out of it and just like looking at it as a, as a physical form of just shutting the computer off, which we all need to do. Like I always have, I have a joke where I'm like, how do you, you know, I think we need to have siestas. Like we need to go back to having naps in the middle of the day, because how do you make a MacBook last longer? You shut it down. You got to take naps. I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's my theory is like, I think we should sleep more. <laughs> And I think, you know, life is just too damn hard, but, you know, you got to make money. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the, what they want you to believe. But like you discover through all your travels and enjoy, you don't need a million dollars to have a happy life. And that's the, that right. I don't I got a kid. I need a million dollars. <laughs> got to call BJ Novak up and give me, give me the CAA agent. I need a million dollars. Stop. Stop fucking around. Uh, no, money isn't any everything, but you need to provide for your family. And uh, I think America's great. And I think going for your green dreams is great. Yeah, but it gets greasy and power is ultimately uh, corrupting. So I just think there's a balance if you can grab the bag and run out to the farm and live your life till you die, because we all might die. I mean, that's what I trip out with all the guns and violence and shit. I'm like, dude. We're fucking oranges here, man. We're all going to die. That's the gig. Yeah. Yeah.
Uh, Dina, where can people see you with that sentiment? Is that dark enough for people's dark taste? You want to talk edge? You want to go edge? Uh, where can people see you? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, in the cities, I don't know. And also, it at the Comedy Cellar, and she, uh, you can check out her website. She has tour dates, and check out her YouTube. It has an awesome prank show on it. Yeah, please follow me at Dina Hashem underscore on all the little apps. Awesome. Thank you, Dina. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. It was so fun. Nice to talk to you. Great talking with you. All right. Peace out, everybody. One love, all that. Thank you so much. I think stop recording.